You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 526, the return of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, Nirvana's Nevermind at 30, and what's so great about Scritti Politti. That's all coming up after In Spiral Carpets and Saturn V.
a long string of successive top 40 hits here in the UK between 1990 and 95. This one, it was one of my favourites from a very creative band, number 20 in the UK in 1994, in Spiral Carpets and Saturn V. That was superb. I, I, that, I think they're always a bit underrated and underappreciated, the In Spiral Carpets. Do you think it's, I wonder if a reason for that is if they're another band with a stu, with stupid name syndrome like Prefabs. Maybe, maybe, and, yeah, maybe uh, that's 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 correct. There was an excellent band that never really got anywhere because they were called Murray the Hump, and I think people really yes, found their exactly. name rather stupid. You're and it's, not going to have that on a poster on your wall, are you? Really? I mean, it's funny to come Agreed. up with these names in a pub, but it's like driving a car with the brakes on. I think these are real career stoppers. You know, and yeah, Chris absolutely. And yeah, Toad the Wet Sprocket. And all yeah, these. agreed. Yeah. And actually, do you know where Toad the Wet Sprocket came from as a name? Oh, I don't know. Comes from a Monty Python sketch, I believe, or at least an <laughs> Eric Idle interview in which they, they make, and it was a Monty <laughs> Python sketch in which they make reference, a radio announcer calls a band Toad the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think Eric Idle said that he was very surprised and he was driving along once <laughs> and heard the band actually being played on the radio yes well as i say if you you know it's amusing let's name our band after a monty python uh, catchphrase but of all the ones to pick that's not the most obvious is it the one no welcome to the parish council it's episode 526 i'm terence stackham and well here's a woman who has been living a life of pure hedonism this week it's Juliet Harris. I know. I've been out. I've been out three times this oh, week on about, on two school nights and a Friday. I know, but it is nice to be as as Paul McCartney once put it, back in the world. Hi everyone. <laughs> After twenty eight seasons from nineteen ninety six to twenty fourteen, the BBC decided not to commission another series of Nevermind the Buzzcocks. It's a music quiz crossed with a panel game here in the UK and it's on BBC Two. It was on BBC Two rather. Mm. It was very popular for a time but it was also a little controversial in that the host in particular might at times pick on a guest panellist as the object the butt I suppose of jokes Mm. which some felt were a little cruel perhaps even a little bullying. This led to a few instances where guests actually walked off the set not to return. Mm. Now Jules the BBC let the show go saying they wanted to create space for new entities entertainment formats but here we are back at Elstree Studios as Sky have revived the show after a gap of seven years this time with a new host Greg Davis Uh, so this week we watched the rebooted never mind the buzzcocks we did and we watched the first episode from from the 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 new series which or season if you if you insist on calling things that which um which i i I had a very long intro basically re-establishing the fact that it was coming back i have very mixed feelings about this firstly there was an awful lot of padding for a half an hour episode i had a look at my notepad and it took us something like nine minutes or eight minutes before we actually started the music quiz there was an yes. awful lot of sort of fannying around i just sort of wanted to walk behind them clapping shouting get on with it yes. um the format yes. had very much unchanged i felt from the from the original it was almost exactly the same as if it was on bbc to the point where even noel fielding returned in an excellent sonic youth jumper as a um as a as a captain For me, by far and away, the best thing about this and the best decision they made was to get Daisy May Cooper as the other captain. I will watch Daisy May Cooper on anything. Anybody that saw her fantastic meltdown on Taskmaster last year will very much appreciate her. I hope that she doesn't end up 
she's a very talented comedy writer from this country. She's also was excellent in the new film, the new version of Great Expectations a couple of years ago. I hope she doesn't fall down the Panoshaw route because I think she's got much more talent in her. Mm. Would be a sort of a waste. Having said that, the thing I like about her and why she's good for for game shows is she really wants to win. She takes it really seriously, which is which is often very funny. Um, the, the funniest parts of these show were the bits that were obviously genuine rather than the ad libs that had clearly been scripted and hammered out in a studio for four and a half hours beforehand. There were moments of, of real joy, like during the intros when the other team not unreasonably started laughing at her and, and, and Anne-Marie attempted to sing and them all being made to face the wall. It was it, There were parts of it that I thought were really funny and there were parts of it that I found tired and bordering on unpleasant really and this is no change from the previous format I think this is no this is not a new thing to Buzzcocks I I, I hate the lineups where they where they get a, a member yes. from a sort of a past band I've always disliked that I always think it's unpleasant um yeah. I there were some of the features that worked really well and actually the, the female team as a sort of a say jesse um not jesse nelson jade third for um one of uh, one of little mix and daisy may cooper and Anne marie the pop star the three of them i thought that, that i would watch a show of the three of them attempting to play the rounds because they they were great mm. the, the bit where they tried to do the listing from independent women where daisy may cooper got them all up to do it i thought was great um there were other bits that i didn't enjoy so much really so it i i there's something wrong if you've got a half an hour program that feels over long. I think I think that yes. that shows that there's a if, if if there is flab in half an hour, I think you're probably not doing it right. Greg Davis was fine, although you know I I just I can have limited respect for presenters that just read ad, read ad libs that other people have written. You know I I, I yeah. So I I the parts this I found really funny. Daisy May Cooper might entice me back because I just genuinely really like watching her. I think she's great. I I don't feel that the BBC made a massive mistake in getting rid of it. I could see their rationale behind the fact that it is just the same thing over and over again. Um, it was it was fine. I it wasn't as awful as I thought it would be. It didn't set my world on fire. I would watch it again for Daisy May Cooper, but equally I'd watch anything that Daisy May Cooper was in. So, so I'm uh, sort of mixed fear, sort of lukewarm appreciation from me. I think. I'm not sure how long this show is going to run. I mean, it, yeah. it's incredibly inexpensive, inexpensive mm. to produce, so that could be a factor. I mean, yes. Yeah, just start really oddly with that really overlong opening skit or sketch. Yes, that um, could have, that could have been. It would have been funny if it had been a minute, but it was it was yeah. approaching five, wasn't it? Way and it too wasn't long. great. Yeah. I guess it was trying to re-establish the brand in yes. some way. And then yes. the first round proper took 14 minutes, which is where I, I'm noted down padding as well. Yes. But, um, yeah, I found it to be a mixed jamboree bag. Not For me, not really knowing who several of the panellists were, I yes. found it really irritating that they didn't, and this is a, a small point, but they didn't have name tags in front of them, as is no. common practice in every panel or quiz show ever. So you weren't sure who was who if you didn't mm. know who they were. And also, again, maybe a trivial point, no scorecard or scoreboard was shown. I, I know the score is almost incidental to the humour yes. of the logs or whatever. But if you are going to keep scores, show them on the screen. Yes, we, we didn't the most annoying thing for me 
was the hysterical laughter of panelists, especially Nish Kumar, when yeah. the lightest of humorous yeah. comments were made. It was like and they'd all been given laughing gas. And the audience was bad as well, I think. Yes. If, if indeed that was a real audience or if it was just pumped to laughter, yes, I don't I'm know. Sure. Yes, there was there was a there was a little bit of an air of people being pleased with themselves, I must admit. Yes. I mean, well, every every panel show, of course, relies yes. on cheery laughs from other panellists, you know, generous laughing, like Barry Cryer is a very generous yes, laughter in, in these sort of things. But this was beyond excessive when, you know, just the merest kind of little mm. smiley thing was and Nish Kumar would almost be rolling yes. on the floor. Um, on the other hand, it was a relatively inoffensive half hour or so, and a lot of people will have enjoyed its return. Um, but by the way, you're talking about, you know, the ad libs and whatnot. I mm. noticed in the credits, the show has nine writers. Nine. Wow. Wow. I mean, yes. that is that is really, you know, like, like you say, it was it's parts of there were, there were part the parts where you could almost see the editing i think and yes. this is the this is the issue as well when you've when when you're sort of it's a bit like the, the open secret that jules holland's hootenanny is in fact filmed in yes. october once yes. you know that these show have kind of writers behind them it's almost like you're sort of watching it trying to spot the joins i know that i find myself doing that a bit so yes. so yeah and having said that though some great things about it um you know like i say i very much enjoyed daisy may cooper i mm. and actually i feel a little bit about noel fielding at times that like people that sort of annoy you yet you can't help but like them and i feel the same about noel fielding actually he should mm. he should irritate me but i there's something about him that i just sort of in, enjoy watching so so yeah, it's it's not an unqualified yes to Buzzcocks, but there are things about it that I did enjoy. But it's the sort of thing that if it happened to be on, I would probably leave it on. Mm. But but I'm not sure I would seek it out, which is just as well, given that I don't have Sky. <laughs> so it's <laughs> unlikely I'm going to watch this again. Indeed, never mind the Buzzcocks. It's currently on Sky Max in the UK on Tuesday evenings. Um, Jules, um, hmm. just, a, just a little surprise for you here. One of the rounds on Buzzcocks is... Yes. It's next lines. Oh, God, right, okay. So how about we have our very own quick-fire game of <laughs> Jules, what's the next line? We you always do time. this to me, for goodness sake. Yes, okay, come on, gang, we can do this. I'm, I'm, I'm channeling the spirit of our of our listeners. Let's see if we can do this. I've got ten to test you with, and I've got my oh, red, red pen here to count. Okay. I know, so it's got to be quick-fire. Giant steps are what you take. I don't know. Walking on the moon, the police. Oh, okay. I'm going to do really badly at this. Go on. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he got lucky. Got lucky one time. Um, it, 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 something in the room in five oh nine. It's perfect. Yes, I'm going to give Harvey. you that. Gonna, hitting with the girl in room five oh nine. PJ Harvey, uh, a perfect day, Elise, the sweetest girl in all the world. Oh, I saw them do this on Friday. Um, it's Squidgy Politi, the Squidgy's girl. I can't remember the next time, but it's... Eyes um, are for you only. Yes, that's Half it. Half a point there. Load up on guns, bring your friends. Um, uh, 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 pretend. It's, uh, it's yes. sounds like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. I'm going to give you three quarters of a point. <laughs> it's fun to lose and pretend. Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to something something on the Muppet Show tonight. Can <laughs> I give you that Muppet Show theme? Um, I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend. If it makes you feel all right. 
giving you that one. The Beatles can't buy me love. Don't worry, only four more for you to. Get I mean, through. I mean, this this is better than I thought I would be. Lyrics are not <laughs> my strong point, so this is this is sort of chaotic neutral for me. So this is all right. Out on the wily windy moors. We something and something in green. It's gonna, uh, Wuthering yes. Heights by. Uh, I'm going to give you that. We'd roll and fall in green. Very good. I may not always love you. But as long as there are stars above you. Going to give you that. Beach Boy's got only no spot on. Bodicea, fighter of the foe. <laughs> this is my own band. You're so mean. Um, Bodicea, fighter of the foe. Mighty, mighty chariot watcher, go, go, go. Oh, ho, ho, I think is the next might, line. Might warrior watcher, go, go, go. I mean, I don't sing that bit. So. <laughs> no, I'm go- uh, if you can't get your own band, I'm going to give you half a point. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, but to be honest, we haven't rehearsed in two and a half years. That's an insight for you. But anyway, let's, and I don't listen to my own records. So let's carry on. Last one. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Correct. Let's see what you did. Let's see how well you did. Oh, One, not two, well, three, I said. Four, five, six, six and a half, seven. That was, seven and three quarters out that of was ten. That's very generous. That was very generous marking, though. I mean, that was that was <laughs> extremely, extremely kind in the sort of the uh, the vagueness of which I approached that. Um, I I will have to text my bandmate straight after this and apologise before it goes up live. I think. And uh, I have to confirm, Juliet did not know that was coming. Um, I, did, I mean, that is clear from my performance in that, <laughs> isn't it? Surely that is that is genuine. That was genuinely ad lib to take note. Never mind yes. the thoughts. Coming up next, Nirvana, Dave Grohl's autobiography, and the baby from Nevermind. Mm. That's right after Delta Five.
absolutely fantastic track. One of my very key sort of songs. I I can forgive them for it being used on an on an Apple iTunes advert recently because it is just such an important record. Unfortunately, playing this partly in sadness as uh, the Delta singer, uh, Delta Five singer and guitarist Jules Sale died recently, which oh. I was very very sad to hear about. But um, I'm a huge fan of that song, so very um very uh, sort of bittersweet to be playing it in these circumstances but i absolutely um adore that as a tune i really do i i think it's it's a perfect mix between really being really bullshit but also having a fantastic tune behind it it really does hark back to that kind of diy post-punk scene that was happening in leeds around that time and uh, i think it is really lovely that the record label kill rock stars um tweeted when, when the news broke that she passed away uh sort of a fortnight ago jules sales contribution to po- punk post-punk and music at large will be felt forever we are gutted by the news of her passing she was a delight to know and be missed immensely we encourage each of you to listen to delta five for the remainder of the week and or month r.i.p yes I, I i endorse this message so uh that was the brilliant delta five and mind your own business yeah, they were only a band for a very short while, I think, only one album, but mm. uh, they're still um, highly rated in that sort yes. of post-punk Gang of Four type genre, aren't they? Absolutely, <laughs> and, th- and that record, the fact that it is used as... Um, mm. The fact that it is used on a, on an Apple advert now, I think, shows that that song will forever endure. And whenever I've played it out and about, there there are always a mix of people that really appreciate hearing it. And I always love it when I have played it out and about. And, and young women will come up and go, what's this? I really mm-hmm. like this. And I think that is great. I think there'll always be generations of people to whom that song will appeal. And it, I still think it sounds really fresh, actually, considering mm. it's over 40 years old. I think it's brilliant. Uh, the, the, the trend for super deluxe reissues goes on. Mm. People people must buy them or they wouldn't keep bunging them out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the latest <laughs> to receive the super deluxe treatment is Nirvana's Nevermind, which is 30 years old this mm. year. Um, there's a five CD set that retails at around uh, £100, but also an eight LP version at 180 quid. But wait for this. Because of all the crises around the world, mm. although you can order that eight yes. uh, final LP, it won't be available until at least May 2022. I'm, I'm guessing it's the August. At which point the, the, the 30-year moment has passed, surely. But anyway, <laughs> yes. we we move on. We're, we're all living. We're all living yeah. in this world, as I'll explain a bit later on. Yes, all other formats that they are available from the 12th of November. But anyway, yes. in in the month that smells like Teen Spirit reached over one billion plays on Spotify. <sighs> now enormous. I can cal- I calculate that as um. Three million dollars in revenue from the at last, someone has actually made money off Spotify. It had to happen one day. Yeah, well, it's good to look back at Nevermind. It's a step forward from their debut album, and uh, Nevermind. Um, it's the first to feature Dave Grohl. Currently, it's 29th in the top selling albums of all time. Um, I think they create an astonishing sound from the three instruments, essentially, in Kurt Cobain's voice, of course. Jules, does Nevermind still resonate 30 years on? Yes, I think it does. Obviously, I have a longer answer to that. Otherwise, this is going to be a very short yeah. podcast. But um, yeah, Thanks I was. Thanks for listening, everybody. And yes, yeah. See you soon. Thanks. <laughs> on on that astonishing bombshell insight, we move on. No, I am. Um, so I. It was a. So it came out in ninety one. I was, and my apologies in advance. I was a bit too young to appreciate it at that mm. time. However. Once I got to, to school and particularly secondary school in my, my sort of later years of secondary school, I was about 14 or 15. It was a record that was still very popular amongst people that I knew. And and so I, I remember a friend of mine that I used to get on the bus with put it onto a tape for me. 
from a CD and said, oh, here you are, here's, here's a tape. And I thought it was so good. I've still got that copy somewhere. As I said to my friend Maggie recently, I was very much... The early years of Britpop were sort of characterised as a reaction against grunge. I know that that's what Blur were very much doing on Nevermind is Rubbish, where they were sort of, uh, this is sort of pre-Kurt Cobain's death, but they were sort of sick of, you know, unwashed people in flannel shirts and they were sort of wearing wearing suits and, you know, drinking tea and standing up straight. And it was sort of a reaction against that sort of thing. And, of course, Kurt Cobain's death is often characterised at the moment where Britpop could sort of step up and take over. Um, so I was very much a Britpopper at heart. But as I said to my friend Maggie, the first time I heard Nevermind, I knew it was complete quality. And actually, interestingly, it was lots of the bands at school were still playing that kind of album and, and that sort of music and Nirvana songs. Um, I I listened was listening to it a lot recently around the time of the anniversary. I will I am one of these people that will probably buy the reissue on vinyl because there's a sort of a there's a, a more minimal uh, reissue on vinyl, which is which is a sort of a two LP version, I think. Yeah, right. okay. And I will probably get that on the basis that I don't have this on vinyl. I have this on CD and I would like it on vinyl I'm not gonna we're not gonna get into our uh, why are you listening to your vinyl is it really any good or different argument mm. again that we often yeah. have around this past but um but no I I think it's uh it's one of those records where I, I have that sort of still that thing within me that kind of itchiness that that you know whenever a record is, is described as acclaimed you know one of the best records of all time it makes me go a little bit like Pingu sitting on that chair frowning mm. that I sort of don't really want to admit it but I think this still holds up I think it's still a fantastic collection of songs uh, the production of Brooch Vig has has I think to be credited mm. a lot I think it was him that, that did never mind mm. um is really sort of um it's kept their sound really fresh, I think. As you say, they get a lot out of very little. And I, I think that, you know, it is, although you think, although they made other records, it is their masterpiece. I do think that records endure over time because they're good I think ultimately and I think that when you look at the big selling albums of all time they're sort of there for a reason really I think so I, I've always been an enormous fan of Nevermind um, uh, yeah Butchvig did produce Nevermind yeah. Diamond Selling I didn't even know that was a thing and apparently it's earned him the nickname the Nevermind Man which I didn't know <laughs> until today but apparently that's what his nicknames but um, but yeah I I am I'm a huge huge fan of Nirvana particularly but I think especially Nevermind I have heard, I do have some of their other albums but I don't play them with anywhere near the regularity that I do Nevermind which I think as a whole sort of record hangs together so well yeah, so never mind is 30. Francis Bean Cobain is 29 now. Which is, is <laughs> shocking. That, <laughs> that is more shocking than never mind being, being 30, I think. Do you know who her godparents are? Is one Julian Cope? No, no. Well, that would have been that would be a good well, connection, my, actually. Of yes, course, with the, and uh, yeah, with Courtney Love with and the Liverpool Courtney years. Love, no, yeah. I don't. I, I, I probably I do, but either. I can't remember. Michael Stipe and Drew oh, I Barrymore. Did. I knew Michael Stipe. I don't think I knew Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. If you ask people in a in a pub quiz, maybe what role has Spencer Eldon played mm. in the modern rock music uh, um, era? Many will give a blank look, but as we're talking mm. about Nirvana, he, he is the four-month-old baby featured on the yes. memorable sleeve of Nevermind. Now, Spencer Eldon is filing a lawsuit against 15 people asking $150,000 from each, including Dave Grohl and uh, Chris uh, Novoselic, 
in damages. He says no release form was signed and his image as a four month old baby was used without consent. And he also says my true identity and legal name are forever tied to the commercial exploitation I experienced as a minor. Any sympathy for the now 30 year old Spencer Eldon, Jules? Not really. And actually, Frances Bean has she doesn't always comment on things, but she has commented on this. And I can't find the exact quote, but it summed up pretty much how I feel, where she said, hmm, is this the same Spencer Eldon who a few years ago posed in a recreation of the sleeve of this? Um, Basically, this doesn't seem like anything other than a cynical grab for money for me, really. I would have more sympathy for him had he not to use that awful phrase, lent into this a few years ago. It, it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't sort of pose and celebrate, you know, you can't pose as an adult to recreate the cover and then go, oh, by the way, you exploited me. If you felt that strongly about it, why recreate the cover? I I, I don't have any real sympathy here. There's a, a concept in, in law called, um, well, there's two sort of linked concepts. There's one called contributory negligence. So if you're suing someone for negligence, um, you know, you have to be able to show that you haven't contributed to it. And also the idea of mitigating one's own losses. You can't sue for, you can't sue for money if you could have done more to sort of mitigate your own loss. I don't feel that he's mitigated his loss here by posing to, you know, by posing a few years ago to recreate the, the cover so i don't have any time for this really i i i wonder if it is him that is doing this or whether there are people sort of behind him sort of driving him i feel i don't know what his circumstances are but i feel if things were going well for him he wouldn't be doing this so perhaps a little bit of sympathy on that level but i don't think there's any merit to this claim no there might be a bit more behind this case if he hadn't as you quite rightly say mm. voluntarily turned up at earlier anniversaries of never mind reproducing the photo in the pool um the only thing is i feel he possibly deserves more than the 250 dollars his family <laughs> received 30 years yes. ago but yes, if you multiply if you multiply the 15 people he's suing at 150 thousand dollars from each that's two and a quarter million which is you know it seems a little excessive, as you say. Yes, maybe they'll settle for a lower figure, yes. and maybe that will be a that will be a good thing. I rather like Dave Grohl. He's the nice mm. man of rock, isn't he? Um, at the start of the pandemic, he began writing short stories on Instagram, as he mm. you know, as he said himself, he's got nothing else to do, and he enjoyed the experience so much that he decided to write a full length book and um, his autobiography um certainly a, a full and fascinating uh, fascinating life yours i reckon this will be a good read Yes, I do. I, I rather like Dave Grohl. As you said, again, my slightly itchiness is that whenever someone is described as the nicest man in rock, I'm always <laughs> nervous as to what's actually going on underneath the surface. But he does <laughs> seem, seem like a genuinely <laughs> nice and enthusiastic man. I very much enjoyed a few years ago. He was involved in a documentary about Sound City Studios, oh. which is where... Um, Nirvana recorded and, and lots of people recorded over the years and it's sort of fallen on hard times and he did this documentary about it and there was an album I think we might have played a track from it on the podcast some years ago mm -hmm. um, celebrating so he got lots of people in that had recorded there previously like Rick Springfield I think even Paul McCartney might have been involved at some point if I remember correctly and I would recommend that as a film that is and it does show Dave Grohl as a genuine enthusiast that doesn't forget his origins that is that is really just he's trying with someone that just really likes life and I always like people like that that are just sort of here here to enjoy things really he seems you know he seems like you say genuinely interested
interested and interesting. He has a nice sense of bonhomie. I don't get the impression he takes himself overly seriously, which is all, which is again is some something that I admire in people. I'm a I'm a huge fan of that. I remember years ago um when joe wiley was still on radio one so we are going back sometime um they got him she was a big dave Grohl fan they got him as a surprise to record an answer phone message for her which they played on air that was very entertaining and i get the i, I thought do you know what i know that the old sort of rock stars have to keep radio sweet and that but he didn't really have to do that he didn't have to record a, an answer phone message for the lunchtime host of radio one in britain yeah he genuinely took the time to do it and i i think he's a nice guy i i, I hope that there is no terrible time bomb story behind dave goal waiting yeah. to go off because he seems like you said the, the, the short stories on instagram i remember seeing a couple of those and thinking I wonder if there's a book in this because these are these are good. These are you know this isn't just some rock star mucking about. These are genuinely quite interesting. So yes, I will probably seek out a copy of this book. Um, I'd be interested to see how sanitised it is. Um, and how sort of if he's telling sort of stories from his time in rock, I'd be interested to see how glossy it is and whether whether how deep it goes. But I I will certainly be reading it because I think that he's got some interesting things to say. And not so long ago, an author would turn up at a literary festival or similar event, mm. talk about their book and then sign a copy if you bought one at the end of their talk. Yeah. All very civilised. Not not anymore. Like Paul McCartney at the Festival Hall this month, Dave Grohl is doing a mini tour where he talks about his book. You do receive a copy at the, yeah. uh, as part of the ticket. Um, the, I like the cost, that as an arrangement, by the way. I think that's one hundred dollars. Okay. Just, hear, just hear him talking about his book. Um, it, it, I mean, it's a bit cash cow, mm. but good luck, Dave. I mean, you can attend uh, dates in New York, Washington, and LA mm. during October. He did London earlier this week. But yeah, um, yeah so you're talking about reading it. Currently, the storyteller, that's the name of the book, is on offer at Amazon in the UK. Half price at 10 quid. So I ordered it mm. and uh, I should be reading. It's published on October the 5th. So I got 10 quid half price. You know, give it give it a go. Mm, I, I, I may well buy it from my local independent retailer because I am that insufferable. But there are lots of ways that you can experience this book. If and I you want to, to spend so. 20 pounds at your local emporium, that's good good practice from you but I, I would like to yes i think that's you. a thing i'd like to do so so yeah i will who knows they may they may also offer it on offer i don't know yeah. but anyway you can you can experience the dave Grohl experience in all sorts of ways in all Indeed. sorts of places um coming right up how great is green guard side mm. and scritty politi fantastically great is the answer um, <laughs> yes. but, that's next after bef with guest vocals from green guard side mm.
co-written by Stevie Wonder and his mum. And, <laughs> that is such a great fact. It is, isn't it? And uh, a hit for Stevie in 1969 when he was just 18. Um, generally, I would see it as a criminal offence to cover Stevie Wonder songs, but <laughs> yes. in, in my opinion, that is just magnificent. From the 1991 album, Music of Quality and Distinction, Volume 2, that's the British Electric Foundation with Green Gartside of Scritti Politti on guest vocals. I don't know why I love you. It's a great cover. And, you know, it, it, your usual sort of restraint and balanced way of looking at things. And yet again, um, <laughs> legislating more criminal offences. So what is a fairly minor, uh, minor way of living one's life? But yes, I completely agree with you. That is that is wonderful. And a great, and you know, Stevie Wonder, ironically, for someone who is always a great interpreter of other people's songs, it is hard to get Stevie Wonder right if you're covering mm, Stevie Wonder. Exactly. But that is that is a rare example of a really good Stevie Wonder cover. I had a look in my diaries uh, this week and found the last mm. time I saw Scritti Politti was mm. July the 4th, 2013, mm. in a small club in London. It was uh, some sort of one-off uh, at a night yeah. curated by Pete Perfides. Oh, um, nice. There was an issue because there was an open bar at the back of the venue and clearly mm. several people had come mainly to drink and socialise, but yes. unfortunately at the top of their voices and we had to keep mm. moving to try and get to a point where we could actually hear the band over the hubbub. Now on, on Friday, Jules, you went to see Squitty Politi in Brighton and I'm hoping you experienced a less stressful evening. Well, you say this. This is now that this is hilarious. I promise we haven't talked about this beforehand. No. So we went to see Squitty Politi, uh, um, me and a friend of mine, at the uh, Concord 2 in Brighton, a venue that I last went to in July 2019 to see Stereolab play, which was a wonderful gig. Now we went here, this is sort of COVID times, we were asked to show COVID passes on our way in uh, the venue was sold out but not fully sold so we had a lot more room to move around than we did during stereo lab although having said that i remember stereo lab being hot and packed but that's because it was july it was a very and it was it was quite rainy and not very warm on this evening they had the side doors open so so i felt read as safe as one can feel indoors at a gig at one point at, at this mm. point um I hadn't really processed how, what life was like without live music in the indoor settings. I knew that it was something, much like my DJing, I think, I knew it was something that I loved doing and really missed. But I think that I must have missed it so much that I just put it in a box and put it to the back of my brain. Mm and just didn't engage with it the support act for this was alexis taylor from hot chip who's very good friends with with me i think and he came on stage and him and and a bass player called sam bethel started to play together and the minute he started singing it was all I could do not to burst into tears because I just at that moment I suddenly realized how much I had missed all that and also he's got that kind of voice as well I think that is unvarnished but sincere so being back indoors for a live experience was was enormous and he played a lovely set went off um, this was all very urbane, by the way. More of this sort of thing. Doors at seven, support on at half seven, main on at half eight. I was being dropped at the train station for my half ten train at five past ten. So so I'm very much in favour of this sort of thing. So the band came on. And this, uh, by the way, they are touring. And again, talking about delayed anniversaries earlier on in the podcast. This is meant to be 35 years of Cupid and Psych 85. It is now sort of um, 36 years of Cupid and Psych mm. 85 after the after the postponements but anyway they came on and it was quite busy and there were a couple in front of us a man and woman who had taken an enthusiastic selfie beforehand and during the first song which was the sweetest girl 
um i was with my friend and before we went into the venue we were at dinner he was complaining about having recently been at gigs where two people in front of him talked all the way through the gig and he basically told one of them off at the end who then threatened to get him outside the venue they showed the level of self-reflection one would expect from people like that and they went oh it's all right we know her the the artist turns out they didn't and one of them had been stalking her online for six months so so i know there's a lot going on there but anyway as well which my friend was quite attuned to how annoying it is so this couple in front of us they the woman was being really loud through through the first song and you know she was sort of talking very loud she was with and at the end of the first song my friend tapped her on the shoulder and said excuse me can you stop talking please I, i want to hear the band she did not take that well she kind of looked really shocked and went i'm sorry and the bloke that was with her to his credit went yeah fair enough sorry mate this woman was cross for the whole gig like for the whole gig she was visibly pissed off in front of us we suspect the reason that she was cross was that the um was that she expected the bloke to wade in and defend Mm. her and he did not and he was having a lovely time he threw some excellent shapes and was sort of singing along and dancing with some of the people in front of him so we got the impression she might have been there under sufferance and it might not have improved her it is it is is. And, and it was like she felt so affronted by it and it's like well you know she i mean they she I could hear her over there. I mean, given how loud Scritty were, which was great. And I'll tell you, I'll actually talk about Scritty in a minute. But yeah, it was, it was, Mm. yes, it's amazing how people think they can carry on. I don't mind. There was another couple near them, a boy and a girl, who were having a lovely time. And mostly what they were doing was singing along to the band and dancing. And like, and like, really, I I have no issue with people wanting to engage in the music. And equally, we have no issue with people talking between songs. But my view has always been. If you are having to shout to be heard over the band, if you're talking to someone, is that not a hint that you shouldn't mm. be talking I, anyway? So so this rather cross woman aside, we had a very nice evening. Um, uh, it was They were great. And I didn't really get Scritty's 80s years for ages. I always felt that it was overproduced and I, I couldn't quite get on board with it. They pack a real punch live. Re- they really do. It's it's uh, they, they were fantastic to experience. Rodri Marsden is sort of the bloke that runs all the keyboards and kind of runs the show. Um, it was his 50th birthday. We all sang happy birthday mm. to him. That was very pleasant. I don't think that, I'm not entirely convinced that had been planned. The various members of the band hugged him and he looked very unexpected in his in his sort of pork pie hat bless him so so i'm a i'm a huge fan of rodri i i hadn't really engaged with what green garside was like i knew that he hadn't performed for many years and he did actually say it was he, he was lovely throughout the gig he was far more chatty than he'd been a few years ago at gigs he was really nice and he said at one point you know how nice it was to be back playing again and it was a very supportive crowd and he also said you know some not not making a big deal of it but said you know i had stage right and i didn't perform for 20 years so it's just really nice to be able to do this he had the lyrics on an ipad in front of him so so it meant occasionally you couldn't see Green singing very well because he was reading off an iPad. But having said that, his voice is is beautiful. It's still, it's a bit like when we went to see Georgie Fame and he kind of shuffled on looking like a very old man. And yet when he started singing, you shut your eyes and it was like time hadn't passed at all. And I felt the same way about Green. He was, he was so good. They did... 
they did one of these things where you know when when a band is going to do a whole album in a show you think oh you know so they're going to do that and then they'll do things afterwards interestingly they didn't he came on and said right this is what we're going to do we're going to do various sort of highlights from the from the scritty years um we're going to do the album keep it in psyche psyche 85 in full we learned that it's pronounced keep it in psyche we weren't sure if it was psyche mm. psyche so that was a learn from the evening but they said we're going to do that but first we'll do some scritty bits we'll do some other scritty bits first so they did i think a good smattering of their sort of well-known songs they they did the, the Patty song. They did uh, Sweetest Girl. They did uh, they did Skank Block Bologna, which I did not expect them to do. And they did that very well. The only thing that I was sad they didn't do, I would have liked to have heard Asylums in Jerusalem. But having said that, they're probably sick to the back teeth of playing that song. Green talked a bit about his love of hip hop. They played a um, they played a, a, a song that he'd written about um, a chap that had passed away a few years ago. He told a fantastic fantastic story about going to see miles davis um around miles davis's flat and miles davis had set out all of his paintings that he'd done on the floor and offered green the chance to take one and green to his horror did not so, oh, so, no. and um, there was sort of visible sort of sighing in the audience and he went i know but um they, they played the album from start to finish the nicest touch that they did of playing keeping psyche from start to finish they said oh we're going to play the album in full they played crackling so it sounded like in between each song it sounded like you were listening to the record on vinyl which i thought was a really lovely idea so so when they went to start the album i thought what's that crackling and then i thought ah and in between every song you heard it which was great although although at one point green lost track of what side they were on so they didn't play the clonking noise where you have to change the record over unfortunately but no it was it was a, a really lovely evening. It was my first indoor back being being live, and I, I couldn't think of a better way to spend it. They the band were, it was joy. It was a joy. It was joyful. The music, the album itself is extremely joyful, and you know the 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 sort of the live drumming and and, and the production of it. It it was really sort of all involving, and it was it was a lot of fun. So so slightly creaky beginning with members of the public aside, as ever the general public mm. getting in the way of things. But no, it was it was enormously enjoyable I, they were clearly having a very nice time and um it was and, and at the end they brought alexis on and they they covered the chic number that robert wyatt covered together which was really lovely so so it was a very nice evening squishy are great green is great i'm glad that green has got uh, got rodri sort of behind it to kind of you know to sort of do all the do all the sort of the production and backroom stuff he was very much driving it i think but it was lovely to see green on such great form enjoying being there sounding great it was just a lot of fun. I would recommend you go and see Scritty if they're still around and about. A friend of ours has seen them three times on this tour, so um, so I would I would recommend it. They are fantastic. It occurs to me. I, I wonder if we should bracket the name Scritty Politi in with those that where a name holds back a band. Maybe, yeah. or may, although I quite like it. You know, I I don't have a I don't have a, a, an enormous problem with Scritty Politi as a name. They are they are you know I think they I think they can overcome that. Quick, very quick quiz for you and the listener. Which mm. is what's da- what's um, Green Gartside's real name? And I've got a multiple choice of three. Okay, I, I need the multiple choice options. I think. Good. Green Gartside's real name is it? John Paul Harrison, Paul Julian Stromayer, Simon Christian Edelman. 
I'll go to the middle one. It is Paul Julian Strobeer. Excellent. It's very that is uh, from Green Garside, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I feel that Green 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 suits him. I think it's uh, it was, and he still looked fantastic as well. I mean, whatever, however Green is living his life, I want to live it in the same way because oh. you know, having to having to having to read off an iPad aside, he was in very good form. I thought. I I mean I like Green Garside very much, even though he's seven days older than me, <gasps> but looks wow. ten or twenty years younger. I, I it's mean. Really I, annoying. I, I I was gonna say I haven't seen you recently, so I can't I can't I I can't. I, can't, I feel you have your own charms, so so don't <laughs> don't do yourself down. I think I quite I, like to look like Green Garza. I, yeah. I I I like him for his shyness and his awareness yes. of both that and his former uh, stage mm. fright issues, and that the whole pop star thing is fleeting and silly he's very yes. aware of that yeah he's, he's a staggeringly talented musician oh, i mean 40 absolutely, years absolutely consistently writing recording and performing songs that combine it's such a broad wealth of different influences it's a rare feat being able to write mm. hit pop songs that contain clever literary yes. and other references and bring in reggae and as you said hip-hop rock is a brilliant musician Absolutely, and and lots of there are lots of musicians that go. Oh, I've always been really into this. It it feels a little bit to me like the footballer Robbie Keane continually signing for his boyhood club, whichever club that happens <laughs> to be at the time. And there are lot there are lots of musicians that go. Oh, of course, I've always really been into insert name of fashionable genre here. But Green's love of hip hop seems really genuine, and he was talking about it in such. Such a great way. I yes, I feel that he's very authentic. I love how interested he is in things. And yeah, like you say, it was it was it was just I felt genuinely, although he is quite shy, I felt like we'd spent time with him, really. I felt that he was his to use that awful phrase, he was his authentic self. And it was just it was just really nice. I, you know, I, I'm a, I, I liked Scritty anyway. And my friend said, oh, do you want to go and see them? And I thought, oh, yeah, I suspect that'll be quite good. And I, I come away with a huge appreciation of him, of all of Scritty and, and just of their music, really. It was it was a, a real treat. Mm, absolutely. And I think the tour is just closing on the day that we're recording this. So oh, that's you'll, a shame. Yeah. But, but hopefully they'll be back touring again at some point, And I would recommend that you go and see them because they are brutal. Thanks very much for listening this week. Yes, ditto. Likewise. Thank you kindly. Now, for people thinking, I love that Juliet Harris. <laughs> I wonder where I can hear more from her. You have the answer. Yes, to all three of you, thank you very much for your interest. Um, you can hear me on Sunday evenings between 7 and 9 o'clock on Mixer.com. Um, and if you search for my name, that's when I broadcast live on there, doing my show Smooth Sailing, which I have played a silence in Jerusalem before, I think, on, on Smooth Sailing. Uh, songs that are sort of smooth, uplifting, relaxing, all those sort of things. So yacht rock, classic pop, easy listening, MOR, all that kind of bag. Um, if you aren't around, but you still would like to listen, um, if you go to my channel um again search my name on there there's a little button that says show reel and if you push that you can find all the previous shows on there so that is a lot of fun i enjoy doing that each week and one of the less well-known tracks from cupid and psyche to play us out yeah absolutely i i it was it was tempting to go for one of the the, the better known ones but i thought to what i enjoyed the most when i when i sort of heard them live and actually this song I very much enjoyed having a bit of a dance during that song. This this was great. It was it was I, it, the, the playing it in sequence is in. I always think it's interesting when people play albums in sequence live because you re, it really is a stress test of how well the sequencing is. I think mm. and 
this is sort of we got several songs in and they played this and I really felt although I'd enjoyed them very much by that point I really felt they took off when they played this number the the sort of the the live production worked really well on this and it was it was as young people say it was a bop it was really good so um so I had a lovely time dancing to this I hope you will do too wherever you are uh, this is from uh, from Cupid and Psyche 85 by Squitty and this is Don't Work That Hard
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>